Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential, and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. Top students believe that the goal of conflict is progress. It's not proving yourself right. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how the best performing students see themselves as members of a community or members of a team, and that there's a number floating above their heads. That number represents the value that they contribute to the community or their team. And they believe, top students believe, that that value needs to be greater than the value that they're getting back from their community. That's what makes these students so great. Last week, we also talked about how top students see themselves as the hero in their own story. And this whole idea that if you're watching a movie or reading a great book, listening to a great story, the story is boring until the hero, until the main character faces conflict. And it's through conflict that the hero grows and changes and becomes amazing. Not only that, but that the world loves to join a hero on a mission. And so top teens are heroes. They see themselves as heroes on a mission. They have an impact that they want to make in their community, and they're on a mission to go make that impact. One of the keys to making an impact and being a leader, the way that we've described, is understanding the role of conflict. Conflict is important for growth, for improvement, for success. If you think about it, nothing in the world grows without conflict. There's, there's no way that trees grow up out of the ground unless there are forces pushing them down. And how do you create strong trees that grow roots that go deep and keep the tree safe? Well, you raise that tree in fierce winds and howling winters. You make things difficult for it. And that's how a tree grows up to be stronger than other trees. So anything in nature or anything in life grows through resistance. That's how our muscles grow stronger. That's how we grow smarter. We push ourselves or nature pushes us or our story, our mission, our goals, our ambitions. Somehow we choose to stretch outside of the norm and become bigger or greater than we used to be. And that process at its core involves conflict. And generally conflict avoidant people do not get chosen to lead. So as we lead, as we are on this hero's journey, I think it's important to realize that we should expect conflict. We do special things through conflict that we cannot do without the conflict. When you're collaborating, there will be conflict. Groups that engage in conflict are actually much more effective than groups who are afraid of conflict. In fact, when teams avoid conflict, it's because members of the team do not trust each other. When you trust that your partner also wants progress, then it's normal and common and natural to speak up when you have disagreements. But then when you lose that trust, group members begin to hold grudges, to hide mistakes or weaknesses, and people seek to protect themselves at the expense of progress or at the expense of group success. Healthy, high-performing teenagers believe that people on their team want success and believe that conflict is an important part of achieving that success. At Harvard, I took a class called Managing Complex Teams, and I learned this really, really easy and interesting anecdote to find out if the team itself has begun to lose trust, if we've begun to step into what we call dysfunction. And, and that simple technique to figure out if your team is already becoming dysfunctional 
is if you're having boring meetings. If you're having meetings where people don't speak up when they disagree, and instead, after the meeting, they have a, a meeting after the meeting that's unofficial, where people actually say what they really think. Sometimes that meeting is at the water cooler, sometimes it's on email, but that unofficial meeting after the meeting is where people's true feelings and true thoughts are shared. If the team is not willing to share those thoughts and feelings in the meeting, then you know that your group has already reached the first level of dysfunction. So boring meetings, meetings where there is not conflict, are actually a red flag that something is very, very wrong. I learned in that class that many effective companies assign a devil's advocate to ensure that some conflict occurs in all of their meetings. To really drive this point home in a way that hopefully brings all the pieces together and helps you understand how resistance and conflict is not only normal and natural, it's also very, very healthy and important. When I was younger, my family actually had a chicken coop full of chickens. We raised chickens and we collected their eggs and it was amazing, it was wonderful. But I learned something about birds in general, that once an egg is laid, inside the bird matures and eventually the bird gets to the point, the little chick gets to the point where it wants to hatch out of the egg. And it will just peck and peck from the inside and push and, and do everything it can to crack open the egg. And if you happen to see that, you can watch and see, and, and it makes you think, oh, this poor little chick, this poor little tiny bird, it's just so weak, and it's just not strong enough to quite get through the egg. Let me help it. And a human, especially a child, might be tempted to go and just break the egg open for the chick to make it easier to get out. That is the worst thing that you could do, because that shell is the resistance, it is the conflict that is necessary to build that bird's strength. In similar ways, and as businesses or as teenagers who have ambitions to do great things, to make an impact on your community, we have ideas, we have plans, we have thoughts, we have ambitions, like we said. But those ambitions can be naive, they can be short-sighted, they can be misdirected or, or inaccurate for any number of reasons. And the natural, normal conflict of explaining why an idea might fall short of a successful execution, that entire process of debating and discussing and having conflict over the issue is, is really important to make sure that that idea is as developed as possible, that it can survive on its own out in the real world. Just as a chick needs the strength that it gets from fighting through the egg shell, our ideas and our dreams and our ambitions, sometimes we need to fight through all of that resistance so that we can develop and the idea can be strong enough to survive on its own. So conflict is nothing to be afraid of. It's something to be welcomed for high-performing or ambitious teenagers. How do we do it? How do we learn to see conflict for what it is as this really healthy, natural, normal, and important, even essential, step that we need to go through as we develop. I have several suggestions. The first is to keep conflict oriented around issues. The conflict isn't about who is right. It's always, always, always about what is best or what is right. The second thing that I encourage you to do as a teenager is to never keep score. Keeping score is evidence that you're more focused on being right than on doing right. 
And once you are attached to being right, you feel this desperate energy to prove that you were right, then you're entering into that toxic category, the dysfunctional conflict category. The third thing I would say is learn to celebrate discovering you are wrong. In fact, if you're going to continue to be a high performer, the times that you're wrong should far outnumber the times that you're right. That's how growth happens. That's how you learn and develop your ideas. That's how you become an expert. Well, if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're going to be wrong more often than you're right. Learn to celebrate those times that you're wrong. I remember a podcast interview with Daniel Kahneman. He's a Nobel Prize winning economist. He had said something previously that in real time, live on the podcast, was proven to be false. And Daniel Kahneman, for the first time, learned that what he had previously thought was actually not correct. And it was so interesting to hear him discover that because he was so excited about being wrong. And the topic of the conversation turned to the fact that he responded to being wrong differently than perhaps a lot of other people do. And Daniel Kahneman said, no, true scientists or true academics, he said, people who, who truly want the truth will respond exactly how I have. They'll be really excited when they got something wrong because once you're an expert in your field, you start getting things wrong less and less often and that's kind of boring. But when you can explore new fields and you can make hypotheses and you can guess and you think that you're right about something and it turns out to be wrong, oh, that's a great opportunity to learn and grow and expand. What an amazing mindset. So follow Daniel Kahneman, this amazing, amazing economist. In order to do all of these things, it's really important to develop your emotional intelligence. If, for example, you begin into this kind of toxic conflict, and you know what I'm talking about, right? You may even, this may be your go-to. You may constantly keep score, and you've got a scorecard at home or in the back of your mind. You may be doing the things that I've been describing, where you spend your time trying to prove that you're right instead of trying to figure out what is best. Well, if that's where you're at, or if you find yourself starting to move in that direction, you need to develop your self-awareness and emotional intelligence. The best way that I think you can begin is to start seeing your activities, including your discussions with people, from the third-person perspective. Imagine you're watching yourself on a movie. So you're sitting watching the screen, and on the screen is the conversation that you're currently involved in with someone else. And watch yourself. Watch yourself like you're watching a movie. Decide to be the hero of the story, not the winner of the argument. Step out of the emotion and be the bigger person. You know if you're watching yourself on the, on the movie, you would want to see yourself be the emotionally mature person, be the one who's after the truth and not after protecting their ego. You know that that's what you would want to be. You can step out of your position that is egocentric and personality-based and shift your attention to what is right. If that includes an apology, great. Go for it. And that leads me to the second method to kind of developing this emotional intelligence. Decide to be more vulnerable. All right, this feels like a huge risk, I know. But opening up about yourself not only helps you to discover more about who you really are and what your core values are and what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong and why you believe those things and whether or not you can question those things, being more vulnerable helps you to open up to yourself and the parts of you that you're afraid to explore. But it also helps other people to trust you. 
And I want to talk very briefly about both of those things. First of all, I've already done an entire podcast about who you really are at your core, where most people believe that we have this facade on the outside that's our mask, the persona that we put on to show the rest of the world because we're afraid that they're going to figure out who we really are, which is the layer underneath. However, I encourage you to listen to that podcast because I go into detail about why that layer is not the real you either. There's a layer underneath that layer, which is your core. And at your core, you're not selfish. You're not rude. You're not any of the things that you're afraid to show the rest of the world. In fact, at your core are your core values, the things that are most important to you. And you're going to find empathy and love and justice and all kinds of wonderful virtues at your core. So if you're not afraid to figure out who you really are, then you'll love what you find. You have to get over that fear first, though. So opening up and being more vulnerable allows you to get there. The second thing is when you're more vulnerable, you're inviting other people to trust you and you're inviting them to reconsider their vulnerability and their authenticity. And that builds trust. Remember, healthy conflict, truly being able to navigate through conflict in a healthy way, depends on trust. When everyone trusts everyone else, that we're all in this for the good of the team, for the good of the community, then we have no problem bringing up conflicts, no problem bringing up disagreements, and no problem talking through difficult conversations because we trust that everyone else is also out for the best of the group. In order to build that trust, oftentimes you need to begin by being vulnerable. So I realize that today's podcast goes quite deep. We're going into some issues that are very difficult for adults to deal with, let alone teenagers. But I bring this to you because I know you can handle it. You're amazing. I have just concluded yet another cohort of the Ivy League Challenge, 12 weeks of amazing, amazing growth and learning and training with a group of teenagers who absolutely astound me. And I just want you to know, those of you who are listening to this podcast, you are the leaders of tomorrow. I respect you, I honor you, and I believe in you. I believe that you will go and do amazing things, and that's why I want to give you the toolbox. I want to give you these strategies that can help you develop your emotional intelligence and develop these skill sets now because you'll be using them for the rest of your life. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.